Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We're talking about Christ, the foundation of the church. In most of my ministry in the churches that I have attended over the years, and talking with other ministers, that most have said they've never heard Christ taught and broke down. To break down Christ is to know the revelation of Jesus. He is the Christ. Christ is not a name. It's not a surname. It is the anointing, the Messiah, the Hamashiach. It is the Christ that is God manifest in the earth. Israel's looking for the Messiah, that Hamashiach ben David, that will set Israel up over all the nations. That's the reason why they do not take the Hamashiach ben Yosef to be their suffering Messiah. They look at it when their Messiah comes, that they will have the dominance in all the nations and all nations will be blessed through Israel during the millennial. And that's the promise that God has made to the patriarchs. The foundation of the church is that doctrine of Christ. What has happened over the years in these ecumenical councils and synods, ever since 325 AD in the Council of Nicaea, the Nicene Creed, that if you did not believe that, you were deemed a heretic and burned at the stake. We find that also in 451 AD. There's another Chalcedonian definition. There at the Council of Chalcedon, it went into who is Christ, the Christophany. And there it was determined that the Son of God, they're literally quoting, the Son of God, according to his Godhead, was begotten of the Father, before the foundation of the world, unquote. Now, there being the very heart of the Chalcedonian definition, when we look in the scriptures to verify that, to confirm that as a doctrinal truth, we don't find anywhere that the Spirit, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the self-existent eternal Spirit of God, begot another spirit. It's nowhere to be found. There's we search the scriptures and we do not find it in there, then it is a fallacy. It is uh, an error in doctrinal truth. And there is what we call perverse things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Perverse things are things that are perverted, that have missed the mark. And we have to hit that mark if we miss that mark, then it has eternal consequences. Therefore, the foundation of Christ is the first dominant truth in Jesus that we have to know who he is. Now, to understand that, we need to take a look at the scriptures. There's no place where the Spirit Father, Spirit Senior, begat a Spirit Junior or a God Junior. There's no such thing. But yet, it's promulgated all over the world that God sent his son, who is the second person of the Godhead, and the son of God was manifest in the flesh. But when we take a look at the scriptures, that does not, does not anywhere come close to the truth. When we see the mystery of godliness in 1 Timothy 3.16, it didn't say the son of God was manifest in the flesh. It said God was manifest in the flesh. The Spirit of God himself, the Father of glory, Emmanuel, God with us, born in the city of David, who? Christ, 
Well, that's that Christ, the God that should come into the world and make himself manifest. That, that Christ, who is the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. So who's born in the city of David? Christ the Lord. Let's take a look also. When you see that he's going to be birthed in that uh, house of bread, Bethlehem. And we see there that all through the scriptures, it tells us there that there would be a child that is born, a son that is given, Isaiah 9, 5. The government shall rest upon his shoulder. Not shoulder, shoulder. Now that is definitely the man, Christ Jesus. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall rest upon his shoulder. There, simply believing the word of God. The next scripture, Isaiah 9, 5, the very next scripture, verse 6 says, and his name shall be called. Now we call a name. The name is the attributes and the very essence and intrinsic, uh, uh, their value of that person. For example, if we have bread, then it is bread. If we have, uh, we say uh, that Judah, uh, their whose name means praise. Uh, each of the names denote the character and the means that the child was born. Well, we have Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, uh, Reuben, see your son, uh, Simeon, to hear, to understand, everyone, Dan, to judge. It, it means exactly who he is and intrinsic value. Well, Jesus. His name was given by the angel, not by any person or any of mankind. It was told, Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus. The Hebrew origin there is Jehovah is salvation. His very name is that he's Jehovah. They say, well, Jesus, there is the son of God, which is not the father revealed. They've denied that. And by doing so, we've denied that he's the Christ. When we see that he is in Isaiah 9, 6, that man, Christ Jesus, the name and his name shall be called, the intrinsic value, the essence of who he is, his name shall be called Wonderful, Full of Wonder, a title only used of God. Counselor, the mighty God, not the mighty son of God. Look in Isaiah 9, 6. Now, there has to be a revelation there. Because if he is the Father, why did he pray to the Father? And that's where the revelation of Jesus comes in. A man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. There, we look at that in Isaiah 9, 6. Wonderful counselor. The mighty God is his name. That is Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. The mighty God revealed. The everlasting Father, not the everlasting Son. The everlasting son would mean that Jesus, as a second person of the Godhead, pre-existed with the Father as a second person of that Godhead. Most believe that. But it is an erroneous doctrine been passed down through these ecumenical councils and synod, which was in definite uh, negative uh, definition that he is not Jehovah Jr. His very name states that he's not. It would be 
something of Jehovah Junior Sus or something less than Jehovah. So they say, well, the Father's name is, is Yahweh, Jehovah. The Son of God's name is Jesus, meaning a second person, not realizing the very name Jesus is Jehovah, who is our salvation. Now, that's the era. It's a gross era. And God is now revealing his true essence and his identity by judgments. When judgments end the earth, men will learn righteousness. He is not the everlasting son, Isaiah 9, 6, that, that child born, that son given, that government that rested upon his shoulder, Jesus, is the everlasting father. Now, we know that that in the essence, that's who he is. When Jesus said, I and my father are one, we're the same spirit. We're the same individual person, singular person, John 10, 30. He also states there in John 8, 24, when they asked Jesus, the Pharisees, where is your father? That's John 8, 13 through 27. That dialogue tells us specifically that Jesus is the father. He states in John 8, 24, Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now, the devil is laughing at all the uh, false doctrine that he has put and the seducing spirits that carry out this false doctrine and have for years. But because we're coming closer to the coming of the Lord, the Lord is doing and increasing his judgments in both frequency and intensity not to destroy mankind, but to get us to turn to the true and living God, his identity, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Jehovah is salvation. Christ is the Messiah, the Christos, the Christ that should come into the world. God revealed. That's what Christ means, that he is God manifest. And we find that in 1 Timothy 3.16, the Son of God was not manifest in the flesh. God, without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. Notice that. God was manifest in the flesh. Past tense. And justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Received, uh, believed on the world, received up into glory. Well, that is the Christ. That's God manifest in the flesh. Not the Son of God manifest in flesh, because the Son of God is the Father. He is the everlasting Father revealed. He is the mighty God revealed in the body of flesh, in the days of his flesh. That's God's own flesh. Now you see that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, and Isaiah 43, 10 through 15. Doesn't say a holy trinity. It gives us specifically that he is the holy one of Israel. So the last day work of the ministry is simply to declare the identity and the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the true God in eternal life. That's the last book in your Bible. But we're also given another lie. It's told to us through the denominational church world and Protestant generally that we are not to read the book of the Revelation because it has nothing to do with us when the very opposite is the truth. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him is to show unto his servants, 
things, those are the things of faith, which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it, signed it, sealed it, and to his servant John. Now John the Revelator is revealing the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ. We also see that who is this that's going coming in and being born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Take a look at uh, uh, Micah in chapter 5 in the last days, and it says that it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it, and many nations shall come and go up what? Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. That's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and they worshiping who? Jesus Christ. That's the true God and eternal life. Take a look at Micah, and we see also that it is tell, tells us that he is the one that will be uh, whose going forth has been from of old, from everlasting in Bethlehem Ephrata. That is the house of Bethlehem, the house of bread. Beth, house, lay of ham, bread. So the bread of life is born in the house of bread. This is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, not a second person of the Godhead. Now, as you search the scriptures, it will be revealed very simply the basic truth of the foundation of the church is built upon that foundation of Christ, that he is God. You'll see that in Matthew 16. It very simply states there when Jesus is asking his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now, the son of man it has nothing to do with the flesh, as most believe it does. It's a kingdom office. And how do we know that? Take a look at John 3.13. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, while Jesus stood there before his disciples in the flesh. The Son of Man then is that spirit that he is, uh, that God Almighty, but it's the kingdom office. You'll see that in Daniel 7.13. When the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days, and thousand thousands ministered unto him. Why? That's the kingdom office. There was given to him, the Son of Man, a kingdom of which shall be no end, and dominion that shall be forever. That's the kingdom office, which is the body of Christ that is in that kingdom, but Jesus is the head. So the Son of Man is the kingdom office, Jesus is the head, and we, the body of Christ, and that's the reason judgment's given to the Son of Man, because he is the Son of Man. That allows us, as the body of Christ, to enter into instruments of judgment with our Lord. There'll be a time, 1 Corinthians 6, that judgment will be given to the saints of the Most High God. And Paul states, do you, do you not know that you'll judge angels? For this is the Son of Man office. There we find in the scripture, that in Matthew 16, when Jesus states that hour, asked that question to his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? That kingdom office, who do they say I, the son of man, am? Saying and stating that he is the son of man. Well, they said, some say you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But then Jesus asked the pertinent question. 
but who do you say I am? Here we go. Now the foundation of the church is about to be given. And Peter is going to be the one that answers that question and will have the keys of the kingdom given to him. He says, thou art the Christ. You are the Christ. You are that God, the spirit, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty that should come into the world. Thou, you are that the Christ, not a Christ. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a capital S-O-N. The son of the living God is the father, God himself coming in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, not a second person of the Godhead. So the last book in your Bible is to reveal one thing. This truth that Jesus is the only true God in eternal life, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty. As long as we stay in a Trinity doctrine of which they have believed that these ecumenical councils and synods of the Nicene Creed and Chalcedonian definition that we have been in gross error. There, God, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, is revealing who he is. And he's doing it through judgments. The judgments of God, his four sword judgments, are famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast that will be up on the inhabitants of the land. Not to destroy mankind, but to get us to turn to the true and living God that he is the true God and eternal life, Jesus Christ, and there's not another. There in the days of his flesh, and that's where the revelation comes, that we had to have a kinsman redeemer. Well, the law is still there. That is an important truth that we must deal with. The law is still there until the blood of a righteous, holy person is shed, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. We see that in Romans 5. But also, as uh, that man lost it, even so shall my servant make many righteous. As the offenses of one, one man lost it. Also, the free gift will be of one. A man, a kinsman, a redeemer, and Adam, that must redeem us back. As... Uh, Sin reigned by death. Now grace will reign through righteousness. That's the work of the ministry that Jesus did in and of himself, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He did it all by himself alone. God provided himself a sacrifice. God himself, uh, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, manifest in a body of flesh and blood, died for us. And 1 John 3.16, hereby we perceive the love of God because he, God himself laid down his life, his the life in that man, that flesh and blood man, which was God's own body, God's own servant, God's own image. That's him. It's not another one. It's not a second person. It's God himself. You'll see that in Philippians 2, 6. Jesus, who being in the form of God, that form is morphous spirit. He is that spirit. He's in the form of it. That's an eternal state. Morpha is eternal. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because equal with God is equal in all of his attributes, from the aloft to the top, the A to the Z. Everything that God is, love, power, that he is wisdom, prudence, understanding, peace, all that God is, 
Jesus is not made equal, but is equal with God. That's who he is. There's not one attribute that Jesus is short of. He is all the fullness of the Godhead that is dwelling in that bodily man. That's Colossians 2, 9, in the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the attributes of God from the aloft to the top, the A to the Z, the Alpha to the Omega. There's not another. There he came and revealed God to us, the Father of glory. God manifests in the flesh. We see that first Timothy 3.16. But we've left that foundational truth. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, there is the last book in the Bible. God is has a one last call. This gospel of the kingdom being preached to all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. He that endureth the end, the same shall be saved. Enduring hardship is a good soldier. The revealing of Jesus Christ that he is God in Revelation 1.8. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty God is the Almighty. There's not another Almighty Junior. He's the Almighty God. You see that there in his glorification, in the days of his flesh, in his humiliation. God made himself of no reputation. That's where the key is to understanding how God works salvation in and of himself alone. You'll see that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. This Jesus who was in the form of God, always has been God, always will be God, uh, that thought it not robbery to be equal with God, not made equal, but always equal with God in all attributes, made himself, God himself, of no reputation. That is the Greek word kano, the kenosis, for God himself, not the son of God. The son of God is that father revealed in a body of flesh. The son of God is the father revealed. That he is God revealed. He's God manifest. But it's in an empty state of glory. He has to be a man like us. That is God providing himself an arm of flesh in order to die for us. So in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, how? Made of a woman. Made and under the law. Is that the son of God come in flesh? No. It's God himself in a body of flesh and blood. How do we know that? Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says that Jesus who being in the form of God, spirit, that is an eternal truth. It'll never change. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Nobody's equal with God except God himself. That's stating that Jesus uh, is every attribute that God is in all of his power, understanding, wisdom, peace, all that he is there made himself of no reputation. Now, they would say, why would God do that? Why would he put a self-imposed limitation upon himself? Because a man lost it. And Adam lost it. By one man's disobedience, sin came the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man, not God, not spirit, but by, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. We need to know who that servant is. Is it a second person of the Godhead? Is it some other Spirit, rather than the Father of glory, 
that were the Holy Ghost himself, the Spirit of God? That is a very important question on which heaven and hell is the consequence. We either get the reward of heaven by obedience or we miss the mark and we find ourselves in hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. There is weeping and gnashing of teeth. They thought they had it. They thought they were right, but they were uh, cast into hell by their own selves. God didn't send them there. They went there of their own, uh, uh, being convicted of their own, own, own ungodly deeds, which they ungodly committed. We find that in Matthew 7. Jesus stated, not all saying to me, Lord, Lord, people enter in. Only those that do the will of God. We have to do the will of God. We have to know, first of all, who he is. Those that come to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and having the knowledge of him, but my people perish for lack of knowledge. What is that knowledge? When Peter, when answered the Lord, when he said, who do you say I am? Jesus said, thou art the Christ. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is that Christ. Christ is the Holy Ghost. Notice that the Holy Ghost is going to, the God himself, the Spirit of God, is going to make himself of no reputation, Philippians 2.6. He's going to take on the arm of flesh. He's going to be God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16. He is going to be the Christ revealed, the Spirit of God revealed. You see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. All the Old Testament prophets search diligently into the grace that should come to us, Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ that was in them. That spirit of Christ is the father of glory, the word, the Holy Ghost, El Shaddai, the Lord Jehovah. Now, doesn't stop there. There, they prophesied by the spirit of Christ. They prophesied by that spirit of God. But then when it signified beforehand, when it testified of the sufferings of Christ. Now, Christ, who is that spirit, is going to reveal in the body of flesh and blood as the Christ, the Christ Spirit of God revealed in the body of Christ, not Christ Jr., but Christ the Spirit is Christ the man. That is a very basic revelation that is so important and critical to know to gain heaven and uh, uh, to thank God for the heaven and not go to hell. We have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So who is this Christ? Well, he's that spirit. Well, who is the Christ, the man? Christ, the man is that Christ, the spirit, they're one and the same. But during the time of his flesh, during the time of his made of no reputation, during the time of his humiliation. God will humble himself so he can come down and be on the level of man. He will add to himself the form of a servant. He will be our kinsman redeemer. God himself will be our kinsman redeemer, not another one. And we find there in Isaiah 59, 16, that God looked for a man. He had to have a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. Romans 5. He was amazed he could find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself. God's own arm. That's his own body of flesh and blood. 
We find it again in Isaiah 63, 5. God looks for a man. He was amazed he can find none. Therefore, he said, his own arm brought salvation to me, God said. His own arm. Well, in Isaiah 53, it said, but to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Do we understand who the arm of the Lord is? It's not the arm of the Son of God. It's the arm of the Lord, which is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. That arm is the flesh, trusting not in the arm of flesh. God's own arm was made manifest. When we see he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was on him by stripes we heal. We see that. The arm of the Lord revealed. God himself revealed. There we find, there in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, how God did it. How God redeemed mankind back to himself by taking his own spirit and putting a self-imposed limitation upon himself. There's the key. He made himself of no reputation. No man did it. God did it. He made of himself of no reputation, not some reputation, none. And that is uh, totally void that a self-opposed limitation that he would work only as a man of flesh, not as spirit. So therefore, in Philippians 2, 6, Jesus, who being in the form of God, he is that spirit, always has been that spirit, created all things, uh, whether it be thrones, principalities, powers, things visible and invisible, seen and unseen. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, that's Jesus Christ, the spirit of God. He is the word and God said, let there be light. He is God that created all things. All things are made by him. That's Jesus Christ. Well, we find for him to redeem us, he had to have a kinsman redeemer. He had to have a man. We find that in Romans 5. Therefore, Jesus made himself the spirit of God of no reputation. That is, humbled himself and made himself there of no glory, void of working as spirit, to take on him the form of a servant. He's going to redeem us as a, as a servant made in under the law. There we find it. That, that's how God sent forth his son, Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman made in under the law. Now, the question is going to be asked, then why, if Jesus is the father, did he pray to the father? And that's where the revelation comes in that you have to understand that God made himself a reputation to work salvation for us in under the law, Galatians 4, verse 4. And by doing so, God is going to glorify his own human back to himself to make the way, truth, and the life for us in the days of his flesh as our example. God himself is doing it, not a second person of the Godhead. We see that in 1 John 3, 16. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. How did he do that? His own body of flesh and blood that he's revealed in, in all fullness and all glory. But to redeem us, he has to be a man made in under the law and Adam after the fall. So what does he do? Well, he makes himself of no reputation. He makes himself... They're a body of flesh and blood under the law, not above it, under the law. So therefore, we see in Philippians 2, 6, Jesus there made himself of no reputation, the spirit of God made himself of no reputation 
and took upon him the form of a servant. Now that form is forever. It's Morpha. The form of a servant made in the likeness of men. God was found in fashion as a man. And found in fashion as a man, humbled himself to the death, the death of the cross. Watch it wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, the revealed name of God, the blood name of God, the redemptive name of God Almighty, Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. It's the only blood name, redemptive name of God that will save you. Yahweh won't do it. Jehovah won't do it. It's Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. Yeshua, he's the only one that can save us. That's a blood name. And that's when in the book of Acts, you speak this man's name. You do intend to bring his blood upon us. That's right, because it's the blood name of God. Acts 4.12 is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's the only blood name, revealed name of God, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he is the Father of glory, Revelation 1.8. So the whole judgments of God and seals, trumpets, and vows will be to reveal who he is. God Almighty, the self-existent, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirit is none other than Jesus Christ, Jesus, the blessed and only potentate. That's the omnipotent that you see in 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, who only hath immortality. That's Jesus only. Dwelling in the light which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. There's what God will reveal in the last days, that he is God and God alone. He is the father of glory. There's not another person in the Godhead. That is why the book of the Revelation is so important and we must believe it. There, anyone adds to the words of the book of this prophecy, that is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the plagues of this book will be added to him. If he takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, he misses that mark. His name will be taken out of the book of life there and blotted out of that holy city and blotted out of the book of life. Very, very critical. It has eternal consequences. We must know who he is. And that is the revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is he, Isaiah 43, 10, states it again, just as Paul did. So uh, direct pointed uh, truth in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Isaiah 43, 10 through 15 says exactly the same thing. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. The true witnesses are God, not lying, but truthful. You are, my, you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord. What do you witness? What makes you the witnesses of the Lord God Almighty, the true witnesses of God? You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, uh, and my servant whom I have chosen. We're witnesses of that. Yes, we are. Well, what is that? That you may know and believe me and understand, God says, that I am he. Now, that's where we missed the revelation. Now, who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? That Jesus in the days of his flesh is the Father revealed. And that is exactly that you may know, believe me and understand. God said that I, the Lord Jehovah, am he, that servant whom I have chosen. And he tells us how. Before me, there was no God formed neither shall be after me. There's only one unique one, never be another. And there's a doctrine going around. We'll be Jesus. No, we won't. Only he is that so unique, Yaquid, the only begotten son of God, the only begotten God, the only begotten one. 
the only begotten God, the monogamous theos is the monogamous huos, the only begotten son, which is the only begotten one, the monogamous yaki. There's not another, never will be another. Therefore, Jesus prepared a place for us. And he said, him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. I prepared a place for you. But then he goes on in Revelation 3.21 and says, even as I overcame, where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, not S-I-T, not positional, but S-E-T, forever settled, always has been God and always will be God, set down with my father in his throne, all power in heaven and earth given unto that man, Christ Jesus, who goes back to his former glory as God. So God that made himself of no reputation to take on him the form of a servant. That's God himself. Even though he's made of no reputation and under the law, the spirit that he is, is latent. It's laid back. It's made of no reputation. Why would God do it? So he could redeem us as one of us. He had, only an Adam can redeem us back. Our kinsman redeemer. God looked for one, couldn't find one. Therefore, God said, I'll do it myself. He makes himself of no reputation, comes in under his own law. There as a servant, there God manifests in the flesh. And as that servant that's emptied out of all glory, out of all that power of God, there he's under the law and then does not do anything in the spirit, but as a body of flesh and blood, there he constantly is reading the word of God. Daily it's his delights. He grows up in favor with God and man. He grows up as a tender plant and the dry ground. He comes up as one of us through the scriptures. He's reading the word of God there in the various prophets and he quotes from it. And the Torah, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8 there in the wilderness. He is fulfilling the law as a man, not as a spirit, but as a man. The law is still there, dividing his spirit that he is, even though it's made of no reputation, that's still Jesus. It's still the spirit of God. It's still the father. But he's coming under his own law as a man. So Jesus, and under that law, separates his spirit from his own body of flesh and blood. There, why? Because the law is still there and will be there until it is fulfilled and that middle wall of partition broken down. Until that wall is broken down, Jesus is in our stead for our propitiation to pray to the Father to show us the way, the truth, and the life as a man and under the law. There you have it. There's the law. God's always been God, but he wants to redeem us. He can't find a man. Therefore, he makes his own body of flesh and blood, the servant made and under the law, and to redeem us under the law. Galatians 4, verse 4. There is Philippians 2, 6 through 8, Isaiah 43, 10 through 15, and on and on. He fulfills that law as a man. To do that, He's showing us the way, the truth, and the life because he has made himself of no reputation to be that man and under the law to show us how that we will do the same thing as our example in praying, fasting, and seeking the Lord our God for the way, the truth, and life revealed to us as Jesus is that man, our kinsman, redeemer. As 
the law states sin, Numbers 4, that the high priest takes his office at age 30. Jesus then, because he's under the law, made of no reputation, one of us, then he will not take his high priestly office until age 30. Jesus, being about the age of 30, goes to John the Baptist to be baptized of him in Beth Arba, where John is, ba is baptizing the people. And there begins Jesus' ministry. There in the order of Melchizedek, not after Moses, but after, not after the Aaronic uh, 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 priesthood of Levi, but after that Melchizedek priesthood. And there we find that Jesus at age 30 is fulfilling his own law. He's praying to the Father. Why is he praying to the Father? Because he's one of us. He's made himself one of us in his humiliation, made of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6. And he's praying to the Father to fulfill his own law, God uh, working salvation in and of himself alone. And all through that, in that law, he's tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4, 15. He is one of us. For as much then as the children are protectors of flesh and blood, God himself also likewise, took part of the same that in all things he was made like unto his brethren. Why? To fulfill the law. Not to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. The law is holy, the law is good, but it's weak in the flesh. So what the law cannot do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. What's that? That's the word, the father of glory, the same spirit made flesh. That is emptied out of glory, made of no reputation, a kinsman redeemer under the law to redeem us that were under the law. And grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He's showing us the way, the truth, and life. And as he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, glorify thou me. The Father says, I've glorified you and will glorify you again. He's progressively glorifying his own human back to himself, but the ultimate price will not be paid until he dies and sheds his only holy, righteous, blameless blood upon the cross of Calvary, Golgotha, and taking the ordinances of that law, that was a middle wall of partition from his spirit that he is, from the body of flesh that he is in our stead, and breaks down that middle wall of partition. So he comes to the place when he said, Father, glorify thy name. Jesus then is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and says in John 17, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. I want to go back to where I was before, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. He's going back to where he was before, just as he told Pilate this, that. And he said, what man, if you shall see the Son of Man ascend back up to heaven where he was before. He's going back, glorified, back as spirit. There he proceeded from the Father, spirit, Took on a body of flesh and blood, came into the world. God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. Then he dies, buries, and is rose again, and goes back to the Father, not beside him, not around him, but to him. There we find that in 1 Timothy 6.15, that he is the blessed and only potentate now. He is that omnipotent spirit. He is the one that has only has immortality. That is 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. We find that same Jesus there 
takes the ordinances of that law in the days of his flesh as he's emptied out of glory, made of no reputation. He's fulfilled all the law, been tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. And then takes the ordinances of that law, nails it to his cross, and thereby breaks down that middle wall of partition from his spirit that he is, God Almighty, the Father of glory, from the body of flesh that he is, that man Christ Jesus, breaking down the middle wall of partition, thereby making peace, making peace, making the Father that he is the Spirit of God, one with the man Christ Jesus in his own body of flesh and blood, not another person, thereby making peace and one new man. Who is that new man? Well, that new man is Christ. That Christ, that is that spirit, became Christ the man, and then Christ suffered and then entered into his glory. Now repentance and remission of sins is preached in his name, Jesus, revealing his eternal power, blood name of God, the only redemption name of God there is, Jesus. That's the Christ. That's the Hamashiach. That is the Lord God Almighty, the Christos, the Christ that should come into the world, the Father revealed, God manifest. There we have the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the revelation of Jesus that God will put through all the world as a witness to all the people. And then the end will come. All will know him, not them, him. All will know him from the least to the greatest. As the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Now all will know him from the least to the greatest that he is the Lord God Almighty. He's not God Jr., He's always been God and always will be God. He is that self-existent, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirit of God always has been and always will be, even though he made himself of no reputation to redeem us under the law, he did not stay there. Why? Because in Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus rose from the dead, from that tomb there, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, Matthew 28, 18. In Acts 2, 36, that same Jesus whom you crucified. There it states there, let all the house of Israel know that that same Jesus whom you crucified, the man Christ Jesus, God hath made him both Lord, that's Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the Holy Ghost. He is Christ that made himself a body of flesh and blood as Christ and went back to the glory of Christ. The spirit became a man and went back to the spirit. It's that's that simple. Acts 2.36 tells it, there let it let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified, the man Christ Jesus, that shed his holy, righteous, uh, blameless blood. That just as Jesus stated in John 2.19, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. He rose his own body from the dead. He's declared to be the son of God through the spirit by the resurrection of the dead, Romans 1, verse 3 and 4. With there, who is this Jesus now? He is that blessed and only potentate. He is that everlasting God Almighty. He is that quickening spirit. How do we know that? 1 Corinthians 15, 45. That first Adam was made a living soul. That last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That is the quickening spirit that if that spirit dwells in you, that also dwell in Christ Jesus it shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. The revelation of Jesus is required on us now. 
We must give him the glory of the Father that he is, always has been, and always will be the Father, as he stated in John 8, 24. Except you believe that I am he, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. John 8, 27, this they understood not. He spake to them of the Father. He says he's the Father in John 8, 24. John 8, 27, they didn't understand it. It's just that simple. We're coming back to the true revelation of Jesus and the person of God, the very essence and his intrinsic value, who he is, the Father of glory, the God Almighty, the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Spirit of God. The Lord now is that Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17. That is the word, that is the revelation of Jesus that God will do in these last days revealing it through the judgments of God to get us to turn to the true and living God. Well, never there you have it. If the Holy Ghost is bore witness with your spirit, then please, there become one with us. Let's work together. Email me, sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. I'll get right back to you. Looking forward to meeting and working together as we preach this everlasting gospel of all the world for a witness in all nations. There's not another God. There's no second person to God here. He will dispel all of that and overturn it. All that do not know the true God and eternal life will be destroyed. God stated it, and there will be many weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must hear the Spirit of God. Now we pray for everyone there, all of us, that God perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented by this at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.